This is Because I Said So, parenting advice with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Roseman, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Roseman. Welcome to another hopefully exciting episode of Because I Said So with your host, John Roseman. I'm a rebel heretic psychologist who doesn't believe in psychology, uh, syndicated newspaper columnist, radio talk show host, this radio talk show right here, although the talking is one way because the show, unfortunately, is pre-recorded. Why? Because I'm also a very busy public speaker. And as a consequence of being a big, busy public speaker, I am unable to be in a radio studio at the same time every week to do a live show. My apologies about that. I'd love to talk to you, but, and by the way, you can send in questions. You can send in comments. Just go to my website, johnrosemond.com and send your questions, comments, um, to, uh, radio at rosemond.com. I guess you don't really even need to go to my website, just radio at rosemond.com. And we will, I will, we will, my daughter and I, we will go through all of that correspondence, and uh, I will respond to the correspondence that uh, floats to the top of the heap, so to speak. So do we have a child, teen, and young adult mental health crisis here in the United States of America? There's a good amount of internet chatter concerning this matter. Some pundits saying yes, some saying no, so do we or don't we? That's the question I want to tackle today. In order to tackle it, I need to define what the term good mental health means. So I'm going to do that. Quite simply, good mental health rests upon three things. First, a proper self-image. Now, let's be very clear. I'm not using the term self-image as a synonym for high self-esteem. In fact, a person with high self-esteem, a high opinion of himself, does not have a proper self-image. The Bible tells us, in fact, Jesus himself tells us, that high self-esteem is a sinful state. A proper self-image involves a realistic appraisal of oneself, and a realistic appraisal of oneself involves accepting the fact that one is a despicable sinner, eh? Not worthy of salvation. That doesn't mean you beat yourself up constantly, by the way, because accepting that you are a despicable sinner does not require that you feel miserable about yourself. It simply means that you realize that no matter how much you try to overcome your sin nature, you can't. And as a consequence of that, your salvation depends not on you, but on Jesus, who has paid the price for your sins. So a proper self-image involves not feelings of overwhelming guilt, but feelings of gratitude and humility. That you see your purpose in life as that of serving others, as opposed to seeing your purpose in life as that of acquiring things of storing up as much earthly treasure as you can. So that's the first, in a nutshell, attribute of good mental health, a proper self-image, 
that you're able and you do put yourself in a right and proper perspective. And by the way, the fact that one claims to be a dedicated Bible-believing Christian does not mean that that person who makes that claim possesses a proper self-image, because being a Christian doesn't mean you're incapable of self-deception. Part of having a proper self-image involves understanding that we are created, all of us, in God's image, that we are called as Christians to reflect that holy image as well as we can, given our limitations out into the world. Okay, so the first attribute of good mental health is a proper self-image, or what I sometimes call a proper self-view. And the second attribute of a person with, a, with good mental health is a proper worldview. But make no mistake, it's impossible to have a proper worldview until you have a proper self-view. An improper, mistaken, and or deceptive view of yourself will distort your worldview. Another way of saying this is to say, to see the world clearly, your eyes have to be clear of obstruction. That means you have to get rid of the idols in your life, because idols are obstructions that block your vision. And make no mistake about it, for most of us, idol number one is the almighty me. There is but one proper worldview, and that is a biblical worldview. I don't need to tell most of you out there in my audience that. A proper biblical worldview begins with the fact that God created the universe out of nothing and reigns supreme over everything he created. His sovereignty extends to the subatomic level, which is why Jesus, God incarnate, could walk on water, transform water into wine, walk through walls, and raise himself from a state of unmitigated biological death. A proper biblical worldview involves understanding that at the very beginning of human history, humanity fell into a state of sin by rebelling against God's authority. You know the story. And that all of human history from that point has been the story of our redemption through Jesus' voluntary sacrifice on the cross, and that all of human history is slowly, achingly, groaningly moving toward the eventual defeat of the powers of darkness and the restoration of Eden, our heavenly home. And another aspect of a proper worldview, a proper biblical worldview, which is the only proper worldview, is trusting in the Lord with all your heart mind and soul, and depending not on your own understanding. A third attribute of a person with good mental health is what is called emotional resilience, the ability to withstand loss, disappointment, deprivation, defeat, failure, frustration, and so on, and keep moving forward, chin up, backbone straight, to develop what could be called using an a medical analogy, resistance to loss, disappointment, deprivation, defeat, failure, and frustration, one must be exposed to and experience those very things. Do you see where I'm going here? That's how one develops resistance to, say, a certain infectious bacteria. One has to be exposed to it. So if someone else 
acting as an enabler prevents a person from experiencing loss, disappointment, and so on, that person will never develop good emotional resilience, the ability to bounce back from negative experiences, to learn from them, and keep moving forward. The other thing to consider here is that the more functional, the more correct one's self-view and one's worldview, the more emotionally resilient a person will be. Because part of being emotionally resilient is trusting in the Lord with all your heart, mind, and soul, and depending not on your own understandings. So before we move forward, let's review this, okay? So this is not the definition of good mental health that the majority of you have heard or think in terms of when you think of mental health. I can almost guarantee that most of you out in my listening audience today, when you think of mental health, you're thinking in terms of secular, humanist, mental health, psychological, psychiatric propaganda. And mind you now, I am a psychologist, and so I'm eminently qualified to talk on this subject. Mental health professionals want you to believe that good mental health is all a matter of having proper genes and biochemicals in the right balance and that your brain is wired properly and so on and so forth, or if not yours, your child's. That proper mental health is all about biology. You got good biology, you got good mental health, you got bad biology, you got bad mental health, and because it's all about biology... If you have bad mental health, you need drugs to, uh, what, uh, rebalance the chemicals that are supposedly out of balance and uh, stimulate the uh, nerves in your brain to wire themselves properly and so on and so forth. And folks, you can take this to the bank. All of that, 100% of it, is complete unmitigated hogwash. And once again, I will challenge anyone in the mental health professions anywhere in America to debate me publicly on this issue. You can't win because I am telling the truth and you are not. And in a public forum, the truth will prevail. Believe me. So this is a biblical view of proper mental health. And it consists, again, to summarize, of three primary features, a proper view of oneself, a proper self-image, a proper self-view. That's number one. Number two, a proper worldview. So you have to not only put yourself into a proper perspective, but you have, have to have a proper understanding of how the world we live in came about, how it came into existence. You have to have a proper biblical understanding of history, not only past history, but where we're going. And the Bible clearly tells us where we're going. And you have to have a proper understanding of why history has been and will be the way that it is. And the third attribute of a person with good mental health is what is called emotional resilience, which is largely a function of trusting in the Lord with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, 
and depending not on your own understanding. And if you do that, the Bible is clear that the Lord will keep your path straight. So, having defined good mental health, uh, we will now take up the question of do today's young people possess it or not? And we'll do that right after this break. A message from American Family Radio. Stay with us. Be right back. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, John Rosemond, and uh, you can find out um, everything you want and need to know about me and my parenting and family ministry by going to John Rosemond, and I'm going to spell it because it's misspelled a lot, J-O-H-N-R-O-S-E-M-O-N-D, johnrosemond.com. It's not John Rosemond. That would be the way some you know, snooty European might pronounce it, but I am not a snooty European. It's just slurred, Rosemond. The question that uh, I'm taking up today is a question that's being uh, batted around, discussed on the internet a lot these days. Do we have a child, teen, and young adult mental health crisis here in America? Some pundits insist that we do. Some pundits say, no, we're looking at the wrong statistics or interpreting the statistics wrongly. So being the self-appointed arbiter of all things mental health, I have taken this question up today. So let me make this perfectly clear. Having good mental health means you do not wallow in depression or anxiety. It's not that you never experience feelings of depression. It's not that you never experience anxiety. I mean, we all do. We all at times feel depressed because of circumstances that we, for the moment, feel are somewhat out of control in our lives. We all at times experience anxiety, public speaking anxiety, for example, very common one. So the question is not, do you ever experience feelings of depression, or do you ever experience feelings of anxiety? Because we all do. But do you wallow in them? And some folks may recall, recoil, that is, at my use of the term wallow. So I'll get back to that in a second, but I'm not going to back off that term. The term is wallow. W-A-L-L-O-W. Stay with me here. A person can have bad mental health and not be depressed or anxious. I'm going to say that again. We think of bad mental health in terms of things like depression and anxiety, phobias, uh, hallucinations, delusions, etc., etc. But here's what I believe, and I believe this is a biblical view of bad mental health. A person can have bad mental health and not be depressed or anxious, not be delusional, hallucinatory, phobic, etc., etc., etc. The presence of persistent depression and or persistent anxiety is indication for sure of bad mental health, 
But from a biblical perspective, the fact that a person does not struggle or wallow in depression or anxiety does not mean the person has good mental health. For example, I know a person, a male, he brags constantly at every possible opportunity about all the great things he's acquired, all the great things he's experienced, all the great things he's done, all the great things he's going to do. He doesn't know he's bragging. Bragging has become such a habit to this guy that he's not even aware of it. If he was listening to this show, he wouldn't know I was talking about him. So I'm going to just go ahead and talk about him. He's a Christian, and I don't doubt his salvation, but does he have good mental health? Absolutely not. Is he depressed and or anxious on a regular basis? No. On the surface, he seems well put together, and he would say he is well put together. In fact, he has said to a group of people of which I was a part that he is one of the most well put together people he knows, in effect. But I would maintain that he does not have a proper view of himself, a proper self-view. Therefore, despite his claims to being a biblically grounded person, he does not possess a proper biblical worldview. And for those two reasons, from a biblical perspective, he does not have good mental health. But if you ask him... He's sitting on top of the world, which, according to him, is where he belongs. From a biblical perspective, folks, and this is very important, bad mental health can wear a smile and swagger into a room. Okay, so at this point, let me circle back to the term I used earlier, that potentially inflammatory term, wallow. I said that people wallow in depression and anxiety. Now, if you've been diagnosed with depression or you've been by a mental health professional, if you have been diagnosed with some anxiety disorder or phobia disorder or something along those lines, here is my warning that you are not going to, in all likelihood or perhaps there is some significant likelihood you are not going to like what I am about to say. But I am a psychologist. I am licensed by the North Carolina Psychology Board. I know psychology backwards and forwards. I know that it is an ideology. It is not a science. It is a worldview. It is a secular religion that you believe in by faith. I am a heretic psychologist, as I often say, and this is not hyperbola, folks. I am the thorn in the side of the mental health professions in America. Okay, so I said before, if you are occasionally depressed and occasionally anxious, well, we all are. That's not what I mean by wallowing. But if you are habitually depressed, habitually anxious, you are wallowing. My pastor and I have talked about this, and we agree. And by the way, he's a very, very biblically and theologically literate pastor. Again, I'm trained as a psychologist. We agree, and this is what you're not going to like. If you're one of the people that I referred to a moment ago, 
We agree that depression and anxiety are forms of self-absorption, of preoccupation with one's self and one's troubles. And furthermore, depression and anxiety at a habitual level, a wallowing level, are indications that the person in question is not trusting in the Lord but is depending on his or her own understandings and the understandings of other people. Mental health professionals specifically who represent the most atheistic profession in this country are advised for most atheistic with uh, journalism. Furthermore, because they're not trusting fully in the Lord, they believe in self-reliance. And when reality slaps their illusory sense of self-reliance right across the chops, When they aren't able to figure it all out and solve every personal problem that comes their way, they're likely to become depressed and anxious. I know, people who are periodically depressed and anxious have been told by mental health professionals they have biochemical imbalances and the like. Trust me, folks, that stuff's never been proven. It's a complete fabrication that robs people of personal responsibility and persuades them to enter into codependent relationships with therapists and the pharmaceutical industry. If you are periodically depressed and anxious, you need some competent biblical counseling with a counselor who is not going to pull any punches with you. So back to our initial question, do today's young people have, generally speaking, And relative to young people who've gone before them, bad mental health? Yeah. From the perspective that I just described, which is a biblical perspective, as opposed to a secular psychological one, I think a disproportionate number of today's young people do indeed carry around bad mental health. First, large numbers of them, in fact, The mental health of two generations of children has been compromised by the myth of self-esteem, the toxic, even satanic idea that the brass ring of life is having a high opinion of oneself. As a consequence of this toxic notion, large numbers of young people do not possess a proper self-view They lack humility, they lack a service ethic, they lack respect for others. That's strike one against their mental health. And this is not a broad brush that I'm painting with here. There there are exceptions to everything I'm saying. Second, large numbers of young people have not been discipled properly. And I'm talking specifically about Christian young people. It goes without saying that non-Christian young people have not been discipled properly and do not possess a proper worldview. They, most of them, possess a secular humanist, Darwinist worldview. But it's also true that many Christian young people have been failed in this regard by both their parents and the leadership in their churches. They have not been discipled properly. Their youth groups have been nothing more than social clubs led, if that's even the word, by youth pastors who want to be liked, and their parents have left their discipling up to the same church leadership. And this is why, folks, so many young people who've been raised as Christians abandon their faith, which was shallow to begin with, 
when they go off to college and begin ingesting leftist propaganda. Strike three is that because two generations of parents have done more enabling than parent parenting, their kids are lacking in emotional resilience. This state of affairs is bad for the children in question, but it's also bad for the future of America. America needs sturdy, patriotic citizens who are committed to family values. It's what Donald Trump is trying in his own stumbling way to bring us all back to. I'm sure you've noticed he's under more attack than any other president in recent history, maybe more than any other president ever. He may not be the model of an ideal Christian man, but it's obvious nonetheless that Satan does not like him and what he's trying to do, not one bit. Not at all. And that is my rant or semi-rant for the day. Thanks for joining us. I'll be back next week, same time, same station. God bless you, and God bless your families. And keep on trucking.